Welcome to the Digital Revolution podcast, where we discover the secrets of how to get you more sales leads and help you as an entrepreneur to grow your business. For more information about today's podcast and to download all the resources, head over to our website at iconicdigital.co.uk forward slash podcast. But without further ado, let me hand over to our host, He's a multi-award-winning entrepreneur and the founder and chief executive of London-based digital marketing agency, Iconic Digital. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Steve Palethorpe. Well, a very warm welcome to the Digital Revolution podcast, where we bring you some of the leading insights in the marketing and business world to help you as an entrepreneur to grow your business. I'm Steve Pelthorpe, and today I'm joined by a very special guest. He's the founder of Bego Coaching, a London-based executive coaching firm, and he's spent the last 20 years as a senior business leader, helping people from all manner of different backgrounds to become more successful in their business and career. So a very big welcome to Bego Go. Thanks for being with us here today. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for the invite. Wonderful. It's great to have you here today. Uh, Bayo, let's just start by getting to know you a bit more if we can. I know whenever listeners hear that we've invited a business coach to the podcast, it's very easy for people to sort of sit back, sigh, and you sort of wait for the usual six-step strategies or five-ways presentation. And many of our listeners will already have heard that and uh, bought the t-shirt, as it were. So tell us a little bit, a bit about you and what makes your journey interesting. So first and foremost, um, I'm an independent. So I don't come from a franchise um, coaching background. I coach because I believe sincerely about getting people from A to B and looking at how they want to do it. It's about, for me, there's a spectrum of advisory or support services, and I'm on the non-directive spectrum. You have a directive spectrum and a non-directive. And so for me, coaching is about eliciting from my clients what they believe to be their goals, their dreams and aspirations. What I then do is check and balance that, challenge that and hold them accountable and responsible for what they want to do. Obviously there's systems and processes that you can use, but really it's about having a positive two-way dialogue with my clients about how they perceive they're gonna go on their journey. Fortunately, I've got enough experience and knowledge to back me up in terms of some of the questions that I ask in, some, in terms of some of the scenarios that we play out. But essentially for me, coaching is around really getting that client to think more deeply about what it is they're trying to do and then think about the tools and the options they have at their disposal to execute that plan of action. And if it is a six-step or a five-way strategy, so be it. But it has to come from them and I'll support, not necessarily guide them, but definitely walk with them on that journey. That's great. And you mentioned about your previous life and having lots of experience. I know a lot of business coaches obviously jump straight into running their own coaching practice. And so I think for our listeners, it's really important to understand the journey that you've been on. Could you tell us a little bit about your former life? Yeah, before um, it also fits in with why I be, what my belief is as a coach, because I believe as a business owner, you do have to say to yourself, why are you doing this? What, what's brought me to this point? So just to answer your question, um, my old man wanted me to be a doctor. Uh, but that wasn't going to happen because I didn't like blood. You have to know that you could have a GP who didn't deal with blood. But when you're 13, 14, you just think, ah, too much for me. Having said that, I did biology, chemistry, maths, and physics. Um, I didn't do too well. I did well in the, chem- in the maths and the physics. But basically, I didn't get the A-levels to get me into a medical school. So I sat with my dad and said, look, mate, what I can do is talk. What I am is 
argumentative to a degree, but I definitely like reasoning and debating and stuff like that. I think being a lawyer be up my street. Now he's a Nigerian, came to the country 64, 66. And for as far as here, my mother's concerned is about education. Get yourself educated to be the best that you can be. Then he said, all right, you failed once, you're gonna have to do it again. So I did the humanities is what they called it in those days. Um, history, uh, politics, sociology, and another. Cut to the chase, I passed, got the exams. Then I went on to do law and economics, went on to law school, did a master's in law, but hey-ho, I didn't become a lawyer. 88, 89, 90. The bottom line was, with some of the interviews that I had at Alan Overy, given the chance, when I was big boys and girls, was, you're good, but you're raw. It didn't land up with me then, but what they were trying to tell me was, there are certain nuances and there are certain things that you just do not bring to the party at the moment because of your background, because of how you've been shaped. Academically, you're up there, but you just don't have those, you're raw, essentially. So what could I do? I ended up at Hammersmith for Fulham Law Centre because I had a passion for social um, awareness, communities, and I worked with them for a long time, working a lot around homelessness. And I was saying to my colleagues, here we are, and across the road is Hammersmith for Fulham Law Centre. And yet every day we're getting these homeless people in, homeless people in. What are they doing across the road in terms of homelessness? Why aren't we working for them or with them to address it? Fast forward, because I know we haven't got that much time, I ended up working at London Bar of Lambeth, where I was between 1992 and 2005, I believe. I worked every area in terms of housing from an administrator to a senior housing board. I left housing in, actually in 2016, because for another 10 years, I worked as an interim manager, working at local, local housing authorities, housing associations, a couple of private sector companies, my mainstay and what's in my blood is housing management across the board from providing the house developing the house knocking down a house managing those who live in the house supporting them resident engagement so that really gave me some strengths around people management interpersonal skills and obviously understanding bureaucracy committee work business units managing budgets managing people etc etc but then how did i come to be a coach or a mentor well, the pivot did happen around 2016, 27, but 2003, my then chief executive of a very beautiful house association said to his managers, great senior leaders, senior leadership team, great managers, but I need you to be better leaders. And for that to happen, we're going to put you on a coaching program. And hey, presto, I never looked back. Because what that did was look, make me look at myself as an individual and how I managed and interacted with people. Because I think back in those days, I was a micromanager. I was very much into detail, very much into getting it done. And if you weren't getting it done my way, I would do it and then I would out you. After coaching, it made me think about how am I gonna support my team to support me to get the job done? So that really is my background. Um, three incarnations, beautiful incarnations, mixed, mixed with mistakes, failures, and success. And we'll come back to what I think those mean later on. 
what an amazing journey that you've been on, Bayo. And I think uh, our listeners will hear that. And a lot of people will empathize with some of the challenges that you've been through. And of course, these are things that business people face every day, aren't they? Challenges with success and failure. And you mentioned about success there. And I think uh, success is one of those things that can be sometimes hard to quantify or define, particularly in a world where we're always comparing ourselves to other business leaders and maybe other influencers that are out there. So how do you go about defining success with your clients? And what does success look like for you? We live in a competitive environment. Um, I grew up in a competitive household. My parents made it quite clear that, look, we're here, not necessarily the best at at this community. So we've got to work hard in order to survive. We've got to be part and parcel of the immediate community, but we've got to be the best that we can be. And as I said earlier, education was my father's key to getting on in life. So success was based around doing it, doing it well, and getting the, getting the result that everybody else could compare you with. But actually, a satisfied life is better than a successful life. Because in the end, success is measured by somebody else. Success can often be dictated by other people, other circumstances. There's nothing fundamentally wrong in that. But if you do not know what your why is, what your purpose is, then you're going to be bogged down trying to be someone or do something that probably you're not really cut out to do or shaped to do, or worst worst is pushing yourself to do. So for me, success is measured by my standards. After many years of success and failures and mistakes, I have a goal or goals. I know what I need to do to achieve those goals. And for me, success is trying to get to where I want to get to, as opposed to saying, oh, that's too hard, it's too difficult, I've got this ism, that person, that situation against me. No, that's my goal. I work out what I need to get there, options, resources, et cetera, et cetera, and I strive to deliver that goal. If it's reached, it's success, I celebrate. If it's not reached, I learn, I consider whether I should do it again, I reflect on what's needed to do it again, get it, and then success, and then celebrate. The real success is what you want it to be based on where you want it to, where you want to go. That's wonderful. And I love what you said there. A satisfied life is a successful life. And I think as entrepreneurs, as business owners, sometimes we're so in the thick of it within our business that we miss actually the real purpose for why we are, we started up our business. And for many people who are listening, we started our uh, own business because we wanted the freedom and the, the time perhaps to spend with our family or to do things that we love. And as we then get into the, the, the rigmarole of running a business, you get consumed with the various different aspects of operation operations and finance and marketing and sales and all of those things which end up taking time and I think so many business owners struggle to pivot from the idea of just having um, uh, being someone who is self-employed to moving through to being a successful business person who's someone who can enjoy that satisfied lifestyle that you've spoken about. It is that and um, just to go back to how I pivoted to be a coach a lot of people leave paid employment or full-time work because they made redundant or they're asked to sign a confidentiality agreement or something traumatic happens and they think, you know what, I'm off on a set up a business. Great. However, as you've just explained, there are some skill sets and some things that you need to grasp very quickly in order for you to make that business a success because a business is a business. It's not a hobby. It's not a pastime. It needs to generate money, revenue in order for it to tick over. And then the best businesses, dare I say it, work on creating enough revenue to create profit, to get bigger, 
be better and to deliver what you want to do. But all that falls apart if you haven't got the drive and the why. Because you could be getting up every day, slogging away, and not really appreciating what you're bringing to the party. And that, for me as a coach, is very important. So goal setting is probably one of the most fundamental features there, isn't it? To understand where I'm going. And then it's looking at our vision, our mission, our values, and how we then implement that in the business. And I know with um, what you've just said, what do you think are the most important things that as business leaders, we need to do more of to become more successful? Focused. Definitely need to be focused. You definitely need to have that plan, that idea. Where is it going to go? Why is it, how is it going to get to where you want it to get to? As an individual, you need to be resilient because we are going to make a number of mistakes. There are going to be a number of disappointments and there are going to be a number of highs, which can actually make you lose focus sometimes. You feel, whoa, I've made it, man, boom, boom, boom. But no, actually, bigger picture stuff. Where is it we're actually going? How big do we want to be? And how fast do we want to grow? So for me, some of the fundamentals for business owners is, do you have a clear vision of what it is you want to achieve? Have you then set aside time to realize what's going to, what's going to, what's it going to take to do that? What are the resources at your disposal? Are you willing to learn? Are you willing to collaborate? Are you willing to create partnerships? Do you understand the fundamentals? Because you then need to understand the fundamentals. You need to know about your cash flow. You need to know about whether your business is actually turning a profit or not. You need to know about management. You need to know about leadership, teamwork. All those things play a part if you feel and you want your business to grow. I mentioned resilience because it's tough out there. 2020 made it even tougher for them than for most, for many. But as a business owner who's just setting off, you really got to feel about sticking to your guns and getting support to help you stay resilient and stay focused. Wonderful. And I think uh, for all of us, we've been through the, the most crazy year of 2020. And who'd have thought that we'd begin 2021 with one day in the office before being returned to lockdown 3.0. And I know many businesses that many business owners that will be listening to this podcast today will be still under the uh, the lockdown restrictions here in the UK. And for, for many of us, that's a huge challenge because our turnover has likely been affected in the last year. We're perhaps even maybe struggling to look at where we're going to get our next uh, sales orders coming in from. So what do you do with clients to help them get that big picture and even pivot and survive and thrive during these uncertain times? They need to be clear on their purpose. Yeah. Um, and, and a number of individual business owners will think that they can t- continue to go on their own. I think there is a need for them to understand that collaborations and partnerships are essential. Um, And they need to understand what are their priorities in in driving that business, moving it forward. Is the business the same business in 2019 as it has been forced to be in 2020 and what it might look like moving forward in 2021? And, you know, for some, you don't always have to have a detailed business plan, but you do need to have a plan of where you're trying to take that business to. Where's the market? Has the market changed fundamentally? And of course it has, because one, a number of the, the places you would have done business are no longer there. We're on online platforms in terms of networking. Majority of the shops, majority of the facilities are no longer there. You're going to need to get things moving around in a different way. We haven't even mentioned Brexit yet. So you need to be thinking about what are the potential obstacles per se that can affect your business. So, so therefore, understanding and having a clear purpose 
as how you can drive your business with partners, with collaborations, is one thing that I talk to my clients about. And then they need to look at the numbers. Does it stack up? Can they project forward based on where they've been in terms of the services that they've provided and the revenue generated and whether that is something that they want to continue to do or need to do in a different way? Yeah, and it's it's a huge challenge, isn't it, as we pivot uh, to be able to ultimately survive and and potentially even thrive. And I know most business owners, the the primary aspiration that most business owners have is ultimately to take a business to the point of sale at one day. And of course, that's where we can realise the capital investment of our time and our resources that we've put into the business over perhaps many many years. And also, it's about creating legacy. And so, whether you're a business owner that's creating legacy for the next generation to come or whether the aspiration actually is to see the business as an asset that one day could be sold. I think understanding the environment that we're in, everything that is working around that within uh, the global economic crisis that is potentially looming as a, re- as a result of COVID-19. And you mentioned Brexit. I mean, this has been a hugely challenging couple of years for businesses. So before we take a break, Bo, could you just give us perhaps your top three thoughts for what business owners really need to do in order to get that pivot working for them? Are there three things that we should be doing in this crisis? And I'll go back to what I've got. They have to understand what they can control and what they cannot control. There are, there are some things that you can control and there's some things you can't. And that, that changes over time. So you just need to understand that. Control is different to influence. You've got to be aware of what and who you can influence in order to, as you said, grow the business, and at some point, sell the business. Who are you influencing along that journey? How are you influencing them? And in today's world, influence is so much different in, in terms of marketing, um, sustainability, um, availability, etc. etc. But I think top of the agenda is, what is your purpose? Is your purpose to grow that business so one day it can be sold, as you just highlighted, or is it that you're going to hand it on but hand it on in a way that the legacy is handed over structurally and is fundamentally is not flawed, fundamentally unflawed, that the foundations are there. So really it's about understanding what you control to get to that destination, having a vision and a plan to be an appropriate influencer, but equally having a vision and a plan as to the purpose of your business in 2021, 22, 23, 24, 25, and moving forward. Because I can tell you a number of business owners that I've worked with recently, I said, I'm setting up a business because that's what I want to do, et cetera, et cetera. And I throw this question. So what is it going to look like in 10 years? I've not thought that far. Okay, what's it look like in five years? I've not thought that far. Because they've got the mindset of being at work where actually it's day-to-day, month-to-month, quarter-to-quarter. Businesses, if you really want to think about how that business is going to be either a legacy or something to move on, you've got to stop thinking about planning that now. Absolutely. And Bayo, thank you so much for your your advice and for being with us here today on the Digital Revolution podcast. We're going to take a quick commercial break now and we'll be back with you very shortly. So my thanks once again to Bayo Ego from Bigo Coaching for joining us in today's session. And Bayo, you'll be back with us very shortly. Wow, there's so much insight and learning to take from today's Digital Revolution podcast. Remember, you can download all the resources from today, as well as catching up on the latest broadcasts. Just head over to iconicdigital.co.uk forward slash podcast. 
Before I hand back over to Steve, we have some exciting news just for you. Steve's new book, The Digital Revolution, is out now. In this fantastic resource, Steve unmasks the secrets to effective digital marketing and gives entrepreneurs his guaranteed formula to double your profits in just one year. And for a limited time, we'd like to give you a copy of the book for free. All we ask is that you pay for the postage. So to get your free copy today, head over to www.iconicdigital.co.uk forward slash book. That's iconicdigital.co.uk forward slash book and claim your copy today. So let's continue our podcast as we hand it back over to our host, Steve Palethorpe. Well, welcome back to the Digital Revolution podcast with me, Steve Pelthorpe. And today we are joined by Bayo Igu from Bigu Coaching, a London-based executive coaching firm. Um, And Bayo spent his last 20 years as a senior business leader, helping business owners from all manner of different industries to become more successful. Welcome back, Bayo. Well, hi, Stephen. Thanks for having me again. It's an absolute pleasure. And I think today we've already looked at success as a key factor. We've spoken a lot about what it means to survive, to pivot over the global uh, pandemic with COVID-19 and what we should be doing for this year ahead in 2021. One of the big things that affects business owners seems to be around um, the productivity that we get out of what we're doing. I think we are so consumed in the day-to-day of business life, whether it's sales and marketing, whether it's operations, whether it's the finances and the cash flow, that sometimes we're consumed with doing too much. And so it's really, really important for business owners to be able to get that uh, clarity over what they're trying to achieve. And then, as you mentioned earlier about goal setting, where they're going. So what are your strategies for getting the best out of your day-to-day and how can we improve our productivity? So there, there are different types of businesses, small, medium, large. There are solo entrepreneurs and solo business owners. I think the most important thing for me is prior planning prevents poor performance. You need to think about what you're going to do that day, that week, that quarter. I read a really good book recently um, by a fellow coaching colleague. And what she does is she's taken the whole 12 months, splits them into quarters, split the quarters into quarters, and then she works on a Monday. She works every day, obviously, but she looks at her Monday in order to find out what will be of importance to her and her business. What are the things that you need to do? When are you going to do them and how are you going to do them? It's about, there are a number of devices, a number of gadgets out there. It's about working on the business as opposed to being in the business. And as your business grows, you know that there are certain things that you didn't do as well as you could have done. So it's understanding how to delegate and outsource those aspects that will help elevate your business. But you can't do that if you're just going to run in Monday morning and just go boom, 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 every email, every Twitter. every That's just not moving the business forward. Take time out to think. Get your calendar. Put in your calendar strategic days, for example, business days. And I'll break those down even further, for example. Ad, admin hours. Ad, break the days up so that you can concentrate on what will move the business forward. And you should be and could be doing that as a solo business owner as well. Why not? That's great. You mentioned a lot about outsourcing there. And I think, um, you know, outsourcing, it's expensive, isn't it? Don't I, isn't it better that I try and do all of that stuff in-house? Or is there a better solution? Where are you at and at what level are you before you, you have to think about that before you start to outsource? And actually, if you've got it in-house because you've got a team. So, Steve, when you say in-house, it's not you personally. It's the team that you've created. 
For me, though, as a solo coach, I do need to outsource stuff. So my administration, I used to love doing my Twitter feeds, my LinkedIn feeds and all that stuff. Great. But actually, the half hour, 30 minutes hour doing that meant I was not doing other stuff, i.e. chasing business, closing business, networking. So you've got to think about what are the pros and cons for your business at that time. That's what I mean by outsourcing. And I equally quantify it. What's the rate of return of the investment to outsource? Because it's still about quality. It's still about your business. It's still about what you hold as values to your business. I have an executive assistant and I worked very hard to recruit that person over a period of time. But what was key as part of that recruitment process is did she understand who I am? Does she understand what my business is about, what I want my business is about? And so we had a really intensive onboarding process, which meant that she understood she's been part of my team, not just an outsourced S asset, but a team member. Same with my comms. Those individuals have to understand what I'm about in terms of my branding, my image, and what I want to portray. They become a team member. So you've got to put a bit of time into it, and effort to get the right people to be part of your bigger team. So you've mentioned there about team, and I think the advice that you've given us here today is absolutely spot on, leveraging the power of outsourced relationships, but making sure effectively that they understand your vision, your mission, your values. Can you give us some indication as to how you go about setting up some of these things? We've talked a lot today about team and about culture and about goal setting. How do we go about actually defining what our vision is and how do we get there? Is there a blueprint that you use? Is there a a, a methodology? that you use or is it specific to every person there are methodologies there are processes there are systems but fundamentally it is specific to every person that person that business needs to understand we talked about earlier what is the purpose what is the purpose of that business what is it you're trying to deliver who are you comparing yourself to why is your business going to be better and what is it about you they call it compelling compelling proposition, they call it your USP, all those things will play a part in how you have brought your service or your product together. That is what you need to be clear about. And that is what you need to drum home to yourself and to others who work with you. Your clients, your back office, your team have to be fully aware. And actually that can evolve and change as time and circumstances around us change. Because we've got to be adaptable. We've got to be able to pivot. We've got to be able to jump on board, dare I say, the latest trends, the latest fads, but take on board the purpose of your business so that it can fit into the wider scheme of things. Networking, for example. Who had heard of um, Zoom? It was Skype. It was whatever it was. But they jumped in and made it their game. They, They upped the ante very quickly, they were around for a long time as well, but they seized an opportunity and their vision and their values were coincided with taking over that opportunity and driving it forward. And that's what the best businesses do. And when I say the best businesses, they don't have to be the biggest business, the richest businesses, the local flower shop, the local baker, the local hairdresser will know what will work for their community and take advantage of it and drive that forward. 
Absolutely. And that's about defining our unique selling points, our value proposition, and how ultimately our audience is segmented. And I think if we understand those personas, we understand who those people are, then we can really target our marketing activity to that audience. And of course, there are many different ways to do that, whether that's using traditional marketing or the digital channels that you've mentioned here today. You know, look, one of the things I come across regularly is business owners who perhaps had been successful at one point in time, but they've been in it a long time or something's happened like the global pandemic, like Brexit, like the economic uh, crisis that we're kind of moving through at the moment. And all of these factors, whether it's disappointment, whether it's disillusionment, whether it's even disappointments and perhaps even let's say that use that word failure. How do you get your mojo back if you have been through those things? How do we regain and rekindle that passion and drive? There's no single answer to that. I think you're losing your mojo, as, a pen, as you just said, is dependent on a number of things. I'm going to give you a quote from Winston Churchill. It's just timely. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. So in the example that you've just given, what makes you tick? What, is there a different side of you that has not been tapped into? And that, there are settings where a coach could come into or a mentor could come in but you might have family and friends or a team that will just say to you, so Steve, what else can we do? Where else can we actually make an impact? Where else can we drive or put our business that no other person has done? It's about taking courage to do something slightly different or better to what you've done before. And that comes from whatever you, how you built up your resilience, the knowledge and the learning that you have. And dare I say it, the catalyst for that moment in time. Because your business might have gone kaput for whatever reason, but all of a sudden something just stimulates you, that just makes you think, and then you say to yourself, do you know what, I've done it before, I can do it again. All I need now is to build myself and a team to deliver that. And I think the self-evaluation process is such a key point to this, isn't it? You know, if we experience any failure in our life, it's always a way of evaluating what the key learnings are that we can take from that and then deploy that into our future self. And so that we're constantly growing in our self-learning and in the development of our culture and our aspirations. And I think sometimes it goes back to goals. And I know many people that will be listening to the podcast today perhaps just don't have a big enough goal for their business and perhaps it was to be self-employed and and then maybe it was that I'm now self-employed actually I've realized I'm doing everything I need to leverage the power of a partnership and then ultimately to the point where we see our business as an investment so an opportunity that could potentially either be passed on as legacy for the next generation or could be sold do you think you could speak into this whole area of building business assets because I know most of our entrepreneurs that will be listening to this they'll want to be doing something tangible with their business and coming out of the global pandemic there seems to be so much uh, so many challenges but also so many opportunities where the market is really rich with uh, opportunities to sell to pivot and to thrive can you give any advice to us about how we can position ourselves for that growth or potential sale simple learning research what what, what are you looking into what, what what are you doing at the moment that you think you could be looked doing in a different way a number of the businesses that exist and grow are looking at who else is doing that? Take the, the Amazons of this world, or dare I say the Facebooks of this world, or, or a local, or local um, community business center. They will say to themselves, we do this. But if you look down the road, they do this in a slightly different way. 
But if we can adapt to it or take something on board or create a collaboration, better still, then we can move forward. So when I spoke earlier, it's about looking at what you do, some of your competitors or colleagues do, and working out whether you can take that on board and do it better, or you can create a partnership for it to be moved forward as a more viable asset. Because sometimes you need to, you have to think about biting a bullet. It may well be that what you're doing has hit a roadblock, but somebody else could take it further to leave you with space and time to do something else, to find a courage and commitment to probably do or try something else. So for me, for any person who's looking at building up their assets, always look to the future. What is around the corner? What possibly could you be doing that is not being done today that you're thinking about doing moving forward? Classic example, um, hopefully onboarding a client who's in the educational space and they've come up with a software piece which enables teachers and pupils to better monitor their progress. Great asset. But where else could that be taken to? Anywhere that needs to measure performance, anywhere that needs to monitor performance is a space where that particular software, I'm not an, I'm not an IT person, but I suppose Upton played around with, could take it to that market. And that's what you need to think about. Where can you take your product or service to different markets? Not just here, not just on in a real life platform, take on digital, take it to other countries, et cetera, et cetera. But you do need to do your research. You do need to look at the comparisons. You do need to see whether your business is comparable, better or not than what you're comparing yourself to. Yeah, and comparing ourselves to other people is perhaps one of the biggest challenges. And we all do it, don't we? But actually um, sticking to the road and the path that we have set ourselves on as entrepreneurs and business owners is one of the key things. And if we can maintain the direction, the path to hit the goal that we've defined for ourselves, then often it's a case that we can ignore everyone else around us. And I'm not saying don't uh, uh, be aware of what the comp competition is doing, but there is sometimes a case of running in the road and the path that you've been given, isn't there? Maybe you should use a different word. Instead of compare, benchmark. That's a term we used to use in housing. How do you benchmark what you're doing with what others are doing? There are, there are enough performance indicators out there to suggest whether you are doing the right thing. Your satisfaction surveys, the various performance targets, objectives that you set yourself. You can tell through your own dashboard whether what you're doing is the right thing. And then look at other businesses in the same space and then say to yourself, hmm, ding, light bulb moment what else can we do? Because you can't stand still. That's great, Bayo. And uh, I know you're a London lad. We can hear that in your voice. Uh, but also, um, in terms of the London market at the moment, there's a lot of talk, isn't there, with the, the city of London being pretty much a desert place at the moment. You know, most businesses that are in the city of London and beyond in Westminster and the home counties, most people are working from home. But there's a lot of talk at the moment about becoming a high-performance individual or a high-performance entrepreneur, if you want to use that word. What does that mean for you? And uh, is it possible for everyone to become high performing in their own space and sector? Some people will say yes. Timely question. I've just finished reading a book by a guy called David Goggins. Um, you can't hurt me. And he really believes that the human mind, if worked callous to the best of its ability, can do most anything. But I don't think that is true of everyone. So high performing people are those who understand, one, their limitations, and therefore want to improve on that personal best, personal best, personal best. 
but they do things in order to create that personal best. They read, they research, they benchmark, they understand where their business is. They're, they're, they, they've got a good grasp of their business. They're good leaders. They bring on other people to help them with the research and with the development and understand of the businesses in order to be super achievers. But do, you know, as we said earlier, a lot of us have got so much on going on around us that we're content with where we are. There's nothing wrong with that per se, but if you want to be a super achiever, you need to be making a number of sacrifices or making a number of decisions that will take you to that next level. And that doesn't come easy. That comes with a lot of hard work, a lot of thought, a lot of planning, but most particularly a lot of stretching. If you want to be a super human being or a super entrepreneur, it takes a lot of stretching and coming out of your comfort zone. And this goes back to our definition of success. And actually, um, being successful, um, you defined early, earlier, is a satisfied life. And you could be very satisfied where you are now. And for, for you, that could be a measure of success. But I think for many of our business owners who will be listening to the podcast today, they've got aspirations to be something more, something different, something um, a different iteration of themselves. And I think you've touched on some great points today about learning, about sales and marketing, about the disciplines that we need in terms of productivity goal setting and making sure that we actually achieve the outcomes that we need. Look, Brer, I know you're a family man and we're coming into land at the end of our, our podcast time now, um, but I just wanted to ask you about your, your setup. I know you've got beautiful children, your lovely wife, of course. Is legacy really important to you? Do you think we need to be thinking as business owners about the next generation when Easy. it comes to business? Without a shadow of a doubt on a number of fronts. So part of my work I tried, I'm, I'm moving up 5% every year. I'm currently on 25% of my work is voluntary. So I try to work with young people, um, primarily from disadvantage or dysfunctional. That's the labels that they're given. But they, you know, they've got a spark in their eye. They know what they want. But unfortunately, they may not have been given the opportunities or the circumstances in which for that to deliver. As for myself and my young, my young kids, and they are young, it is about understanding what opportunities can lie for them. But it, for that to happen, hard work, traditional hard work, equally working out of the box, thinking out of the box, being inquisitive, being impartial, yet partial about what goes on around them. So ask the question, and they, they, they're very important in asking the question. And for me and my business, as they grow up, they now understand coaching. They, they see me do a lot of missives, a lot of statements, a lot of interviews. Will they become coaches? Would I become mentors? I hope so in their own right, because those are skill sets any leader will need to move forward. But what I want them to do or think about is, I went through formal education, there's nothing wrong with that. But I look at my three boys and I can tell the middle one, most definitely academic, the first one, academic, vocational, the third one, very vocational. So it's about me supporting what they seem to be their best space. I think I hope to have answered that. In terms of a legacy, of course it is. My, my father died in 2003, bless his cotton socks. But what he said to us, is, me and my siblings is, we've done our bit, now it's your turn. Because it continues and it doesn't stop because I'm gone, it just continues. But you just need to do, if you think I've done a good job, carry it on. Where I haven't done a good job, do better. That's legacy for me. 
Wonderful stuff. And uh, how do you, our listeners get in touch with you, Bear, if they're interested to find out more about your journey, or even if someone's considering a business coach in the London area, how do they get in touch with you? Tell us. Well, all the handles, all the socials, as my sons are called, are there. Um, simplest one, if you look at the website, it's bigocoaching.com. That's B-I-G-O-H coaching.com. Twitter and Instagram, it's a simply at Bigo Coaching. So again, at B-I-G-O-H C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G. And LinkedIn, just put in Bayo Ego, B-A-Y-O-I-G-O-H, and I will pop up. Not many Bayo Egos around, to be fair. So uh, you'll find me somewhere. Bayo Ego from Bigo Coaching. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been lovely to have you with us. Brilliant. Thank you very much indeed for the platform, Stephen. And we look forward for the pleasure of your company at the next Digital Revolution podcast. These podcasts are coming on every single week, and we've got a variety of experts in their own industry fields joining us. In the forthcoming weeks, we've got some video production experts. We've got some consultants within the uh, F&B space, and we also have uh, some marketers as well who are going to be able to give you some really practical um, guides to help you grow in your own brand awareness, market engagement, and lead generation. So thank you for taking the time for being with us in this short 45 minute podcast and we thank you again Bayo, for all of your insights your inspiration and of course all of your knowledge here today thanks for being with us thanks so much for listening to the digital revolution podcast today if you have any questions about what you've learned in today's session then please do drop us a note in the comments below and as always be sure to like and share the podcast with your friends family and other business owners please help us to spread the word about this free resource And finally, while you're here, please don't forget to leave a comment below to tell us where you've been listening from. And don't miss out on the next podcast, which comes out next Wednesday. Thanks for being a part of our group of elite entrepreneurs. Remember to download your free resources online at iconicdigital.co.uk forward slash book. And we'll see you next time on the Digital Revolution podcast.